It's a Derek White miracle. That finish for the Celtics to force a Game 7, that was a straight-up miracle. The Celtics are now the first-ever team to force a Game 7 at home after being down 3-0. Let's get into it and a look ahead to Game 7 next on First to the Floor. It's going to be first to the floor here, and it was Marcus Smart as he usually is. And drives, That's not the first time we've seen a superstar in green and white sacrifice my body. Welcome in to another episode of First of the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. The Boston Celtics, they force a Game 7 on legitimately perhaps one of the best late game plays in NBA playoff history. Wayne Spoonie and Jake Eisenberg are here. Spoonie, how's it going, man? Welcome back. Thanks, Ben. Uh, what a weekend <laughs> I've had. Oh All right. My soccer team won their last game of the season, so they're not getting demoted. Nice. That's my good. kid has started laughing every time I fart. So, like, yes. that's a big step to manhood. Yeah. And then, <laughs> of course, game six. I'm in a I'm in a, a a like resort condo thing with my wife's extended family watching the game, whisper yelling. I'm like, yeah. Let's go. Because yeah. I can't. There's three kids sleeping. There's people sleeping all around me. And I'm just like fist pumping to nobody. Oh, my uh, God. So what an experience. I didn't have sound. So I had no idea when the buzzer went off. But oh, man. they won. Yeah, they won. That's all that matters. <laughs> Jake, what, what was your like watching experience? We'll do a quick around the room here before we get into the, the moments that matter. I was mattered. just trying to think about like, I mean, you just... You, you go up ten, and I'm, and that's that's the the moment I'm like, okay, getting to be like not a perfect game, but they found a way, and then it just drip, 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 and you just you you felt it felt over. I was like on my I was I was like literally on my knees, just like I can't <laughs> believe they've done this again. And then you look up, and I'm like, oh my god, is it off? Is it off? I think it's off. I think it's off. And then. Explosions! If you see my video on Twitter, I literally ran into the into the wilderness <laughs> screaming. Um, <laughs> I gotta check that out. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. It was a moment far out. Oh, I gotta and, give it. I gotta give a shout out to to Grandy and Max. I caught this whole game on the radio via the League Pass app. Just terrible timing. A Sunday, which is the the day it's on here in Australia, just full of family obligations. Um, Grandy and Max do a great job of like conveying the the drama of the game uh, via you know a, a format that's limited to audio only. And uh, driving in the car down south to a baby shower, got the family in the car. I've got the phone in the center console with just one AirPod in my ear. And as my kids falling asleep in the back of the car, that ten point lead late in the fourth is dwindling down to nothing. I'm punching myself in the leg, like I'm just so frustrated. And then that last game thing, I almost swerved off the road uh, and crashed uh, as Derek White won the game. Unbelievable. And then it's just you get to that point, that juncture in the game in the afternoon here, watching in Australia. And your day is either going to be completely made or completely ruined. And heading to a, a social affair, like a baby shower that I was oh, headed to, to, to rock into that venue with a win on my, on my back, so good. That was, I was the last one <laughs> yesterday, fellas. Um, let's just get right into this one, I suppose. Um, should we start by just, let's just watch the, the final play, right? Let's just play it back yeah. here. face the floor here, but he's got to be aware of Derek White on a quick pass back. Also. White will inbound. It's off to Smart for the seventh game. Now, Tremendon tipped in, but the buzzer sounded. The light was on. It'll be reviewed. I don't think he got that in in time. Great effort by Derek White. And didn't I say you have? Oh, they're saying on the floor, they're counting it. You have to protect the offensive rebound. Oh, he got he rid of it. He sure did. That's a Celtic and win, and we're going to game seven. The Celtics are going to win. There's a game seven back in Boston. Ruling on the floor is good basket. The play's under review. Kevin Harland is in his, in his element there. Um, how many times have you guys watched that since it happened yesterday? So many times. So many times. And Ben, you said it shared it in our Slack, but there's the, the quad box angle going around where it's like you got both benches like watching the replay and jubilation from the Celtics on one end and despair and agony for Miami and uh, glorious. 
you can see Tatum, like he walks back to the bench. Yeah. Well, like just assuming yeah. that it's over. And then clearly someone's like, no, dude, no. Derek White got the shot up. And you see him like walk back onto the court and you can see the moment where it like, hits him and he just like lights up. Uh, it's awesome. We have the the play here in our slow-mo. We're going to play it. And Spoon is going to give us the full uh, basketball analysis <laughs> rundown of what happens second to second. Here we go. All right, so I think you want to watch Derek White because he reads this perfect. When he sees Struess go to Tatum to double, he's actually wide open. Smart probably yeah. could have dropped off pass to him for an open shot. But the beauty is the intelligence of Derek White is to keep going, run that line because he's in front of Max Struess. And actually, one thing I haven't heard, seen a lot of people talk about is Tatum's there too to dunk yeah. it in. So, like, no matter which side of the rim this gets coughed up on, one of these guys is going to dunk it home. But I I doubt it was part of the play to have Derek White kick it and then run to that corner with intention. He was probably just supposed to, like, space so Tatum could get a shot off. But when Struess doubled, I mean, he made that hard cut. Like, if Smart drops it off, he might even be able to get to the rim for a layup. You have to worry about Bam. But, uh it's the it's such a Derek White being Derek White play to be the inbounder, which I didn't even really appreciate it watching live. I had no idea where Derek White was to start the play. <laughs> I just saw him laying it in. But like looking back, it's like he like reads how that's going to play out so perfectly. And he saves the season and even like he sort of short arms the layup because he knows yeah, he doesn't yeah. have a lot of time. Oh. Like he doesn't get it all the way up to the. Um, the backboard, he just kind of like throws it up and he had to because a one, you know, point one second more of that ball in his hand and it's all over. The playoffs are nuts, dude. This, why do we do this? <laughs> I, I just, I straight up cannot believe it. Like I've watched it so many times. It's like where, so listening to, to Bill Simmons and, uh, and, and Ryan Rasilla this yeah. morning, that was like the first part I put on when I woke up. I was like, yes, like so happy 100%. to wake up to a Simmons pod. And they talked about like, where does this rank in not just Celtics playoff uh, history, but like NBA playoff history. And Bill Simmons, as he often does, as he does such a good job of, he talked about like the Larry Bird steals the ball, uh, Gerald Henderson stealing the ball in game two of the finals uh, at some point in the 80s. You can tell I don't know my history as well as Bill, Bill Simmons, which I think is forgivable for yeah. you guys looking at like our generation's Celtics fandom. So let's say like post year 2000, Spoonie, we'll start with you. Like, where does this rank for you? Is it straight to number one or is there anything comparable in, in recent Celtics history? Um, okay, so th- the issue with this one is I think it will matter a lot more yeah. if we go on to win the title. This is like, the problem. I, yeah, it, that this is like immediately top three, maybe one if we win the title. Um, until that happens, Tatum against the Nets last year, yeah. like set the tone for that series. Like I bet mm-hmm. that goes seven if we lose that game one. Like series, it's just so weird. You give them confidence. Um Pierce going toe to toe with LeBron. I know it's not like a single play, but just as like a moment, he hit a lot of big shots down the stretch to beat LeBron in 08. Um, Ray Allen, that 24 point comeback in game four of the 2008 finals. Kobe hits a jumper to make it, I think, a two or a three point game. And then Ray Allen just isos Sasha Vujicic and just gets this like smooth, buttery left hand layup to ice the game and end it. And that basically won the NBA finals at that point, because then it's three one. They blow this huge lead. It was almost never in doubt after that. So that Ray Allen play, even though it wasn't a buzzer beater, I feel like like Kobe, you miss that. And then Kobe's coming back down with a chance to tie or win the game. Like that's pretty terrifying scenario. And you don't complete that huge comeback. So um, I don't know, man, I, I, I struggle to think of like single moment, like single plays that have such a massive impact on the implications of a season because they just don't come around that long, uh, that often rather. Mm-hmm. Jake? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I can't think of anything like the Nets, the Nets thing, it comes to mind, but like over the past five years of playoff runs, like, which is, which just speaks to how rare this is. It's like the Celtics have played in so many playoff games, like Jalen Brown, 100 plus playoff games. And like, this has happened twice where it's like a buzzer beater on, like, we've had the reverse. We've had bloody yeah. OG, OG Ananobi. Maybe that this just speaks more to like the experience I feel as a fan. Like I feel like you often remember the pain more so than like yeah. the, that's what makes it so good. 
Yeah. I only Smart's remember Smart's block. Smart oh, block that game's got to be yeah. up there. Oh, nah. yeah. That's a good one. Like, the game seven block against Toronto that Marcus had, like, yeah. on not Powell after the turnover. Yeah, that's what I was meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, yeah. like, that series, like, OG and Anobi that, like, were up yeah. 2-0 and Kyle Lowry shoots, throws the ball over Taco Falls. Jalen Jalen falls asleep, shockingly, on a on an inbounds, and OG hits this ridiculous shot, and this series ends up going seven, and this and the Celtics are just cooked for the for the and for another Heat series. Like I just never want to see these guys ever again. No. Like I'm so no. over Caleb Martin. I'm so over him, dude. And it's it's never ending. Um, yeah, like regular season stuff comes to mind. Like Jalen Brown hitting like a buzzer beater on like a road trip in. 2017 against Utah, like, like stuff like that. But playoffs, smart taking those charges against Harden. Yeah, right. That yeah, that's <laughs> that won the game. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. like the Jordan. Kelly Olynyk game, but like that's not a buzzer beater. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, so Jordan in the chat here is mentioning uh, Isaiah Thomas's 53 against yeah. the Wizards. Uh, that was incredible. But just as far as like what was at stake in this game, having just gone down one to the Jimmy Butler free throws with uh, what we thought was even less than three seconds left at the time, just like, okay, well, this has become unwinnable now because of how poorly we've been in late-game situations, particularly <laughs> I know. Uh, with game-winning game shot opportunities. And so with all of that in mind, and just like going into that last play with the thought in your head, just like, it's over. I'm about to watch the final play of the Celtics season after everything we've sort of been through as fans. It's been a roller coaster of a season. And as content creators and podcasters, like there's been a lot of work that we've put into the show this year. All of that, I'm about to watch it end. And then for it to <laughs> finish the way that it did, I think with all of that context to me, it's like it's straight up there in number one. And like any sort of play that predates 2015, there's less of like a I was there online when it yeah. happened with everyone yeah. factor. So that plays into it heaps as well. Um, getting like into the game a little bit more, statistically... If you looked at just the three-point shooting percentage for the Celtics, like if I could say, just give me one stat after the game if I haven't watched it, and I'll be able to tell you whether or not the Celtics won the game. It's the three-point shooting percentage. And yet in this game, I haven't got the exact percentage up in front of me, but um, suffice to say, 20. It was shithouse. (laughs) They shot like shit from three. Uh, And yet they found a way to win the game. Uh, Spoon, you've got some strange stats for this game for us, don't you? Because this was a weird one. Yeah, so on the threes, this is the lowest number of threes the Celtics have made in a game this season, regular season, or playoffs, period. Not a win, period. And we've made nine threes five times this year, one in four of those games, 10 or fewer, we're two and six, and 0 and three in the playoffs if we make 10 or fewer threes. Again, we made seven. So... Offensive rebounds, right? Often we look at, okay, if we lose the offensive rebounding battle, we'll probably lost the game. We lose it by five, second worst margin of the playoffs uh, in a win after that weird game two where Atlanta out-rebounded us 19 to five on the Mm -hmm. offensive glass, but we won by like 10. Um, And then the turnovers. Turnovers as well, dude. Turnovers as well. So we lost the turnover battle by seven. Highest disparity in a win. In the playoffs, minus 12 was the highest margin. Negative 12 was the highest margin in a win in the regular season. So you lose the three-point shooting, you lose the turnover battle, and you cough up five extra possessions on offensive rebounds. Insane. How the hell did we win this game? I don't know. I don't know. We were in position to win it cleanly too, like going away with all that stuff happening until – and then we had to like, so it was a miracle that we're in, like we're up 10 and then it took a miracle for the heat to get back in it. And then a third miracle again to save our freaking season. Like two Celtics made threes. Two Celtics made threes. Tatum 0 for 8, Jalen 0 for 4, Horford 0 for 2, Grant 0 for 3. Crazy. Of course, Marcus is the one that like was saving the day early, right? Like... I can't believe we have a Marcus Smart clone. We had one Marcus Smart shooting the shot, and then we had the Marcus Smart clone have do the winning play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fred Stevens oh. is a genius. You can you can't lose if you have two Marcus Smarts. Impossible. So uh, the guys, you know, obviously in their post game interviews, were sort of asked the same question: like, how did you win this? And defense was sort of the the calling card for most of them. Like, we shot like crap. 
Uh, you know, it was a 90 possession game uh, for each team, which is relatively low. Just scrolling through, cleaning the glass, like it's all blue. Like the teams before all teams performed very badly uh, on almost all fronts, except the Celtics uh, shot like the high 80s percentage wise um, from from deep mid range. Uh, which is crazy. One awesome part about the Jays in this one is they just like had the the green light to let it fly from mid range, and particularly in the first half before Tatum cooled off and the, the Heat switched up their defense on him, and then Jalen got into foul trouble. The first half it was like mid range and just like parades to the rim for the Jays, uh, which was awesome. But also just to swing back on the defense for a second, this play by a thirty seven year old Al Horford just like verticality skying for the block over a you know athletically superior Bam Adebayo. Uh, it was just fucking awesome. I love uh, you, Al. <laughs> I know. I love Al. But at no point did I think after they went up 10 with four minutes to go and started missing free throws, I was like saying to my wife in the car, it's not enough. It's not enough. <laughs> Ten is enough. It's not going to happen. And I, I, was, in, I was a mess. And no I'm sorry that my wife and child had to see me like that. It won't be the last time. And it certainly wasn't the first. Um, but, it, but it was rough. Um, any more thoughts on the, on the defensive end? Because that was clearly what well, got it done in the end for the Celts. Well, like... The defense in the paint was awesome, but I thought the defense on the three-point shooters was bad, mm-hmm. like pretty bad. And the, the, like the Heat shot 60% from three in the first half, which is the only reason this wasn't a 20-point game. But the Celtics were just blowing coverages over and over and over again. Like Jalen lost Vincent like so badly on two wide-open threes. So like, yeah, even if they're wide, like the Celtics missed plenty of wide-open shots, um, but the Heat were just knocking all of them down. The, the, the three and then obviously Duncan Robinson missed the two three pointers late as well, which I don't know. Thank you, Lord. Um, yeah, <laughs> thank you, Lord. But like the the I thought the defense in games five and in games four was on a completely different level to what we saw in game six. Not from a lack of effort perspective, like in the paint, I thought the you know the the defense was awesome. But we we weren't generating the turnovers on Jimmy and Bam like we were in game six, and we weren't sticking to shooters like. The stat that pops in my head, the, the Heat shot 11 three-pointers in the first half of game five, and they only got up to like 25 attempts for the game versus this, like t- yesterday, they got 30 attempts up, which is just you know, more. And like that's an indicator of how good this Helix three-point defense was. And well, yeah, again, it wasn't effort. They just like, they were screwing up switches and that was keeping the Celtics in the game. And that's one thing that I like, I'm clinging to amongst these stats where I think they can like, easily correct um is go back to how good they were defending the three in games four and five i think that that's a that's something they can clean up yeah well at least like the flip side is like you're doing a terrible job defending from three at least all that over helping and blowing switches means there's people around the rim to help when they get to the rim and the, the interior defense i mean it was really incredible how well they did contesting shots inside not following and mostly getting the offensive rebounds. So the Heat out had way more offensive rebounds than we did. They only had five second chance points because they missed all their tips. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it's like pretty, the kind of just a bizarre stat and a bizarre game. So yeah. I'm with you, Jake. Like I did not, this was not the best of defensive performance of the series, even close, not even close, but at least they did one thing well enough. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a complete and total collapse because sometimes you see when the Heat are hitting threes, then we're overcorrecting and then we're getting blown by and it's easy points or Jimmy's living at the line. Um, he did live at the line at the end of the fourth quarter after flopping his way to, you know. Oh my God, it's so shameless, dude. Like he <laughs> just has no intention of putting a shot up. No. Even that, even that last... That last Al Horford foul, which, Al, that's such a bad foul. Yeah. That was such, just stick your hands like. Just make, let him shoot a three. Make, make that like fadeaway <laughs> corner three, hands up. Yeah. Oh, man. But, but like. He, he did yeah. double dribble. Uh, you well, know, this is, and, well oh. not, not according to the last two minute report that I saw today. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, don't, well, I don't know what they're looking at. I mean, we all saw it, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> boop, boop. He yeah. hit it with both hands while it was in the uh, anyway, but yeah, it was I, I fought that battle on Twitter today. Yeah. So I posted yeah. the video in slow mo. Like, <laughs> Explain to me how this is not a double dribble. Doing God's work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, on that play, like, where was your head at, Spoonie? As uh, Missoula challenges and it kind of backfires, right? Where suddenly, like, not only does the challenge uh, it's unsuccessful, but um, it puts Jimmy at the line for three uh, instead of two. So I I think 
they probably would have looked at that anyway. So Mm -hmm. I don't think Missoula's challenge truly backfired, but the, the broadcast did not explain that at all. And also again, you got to remember I'm listening on like three volumes. So I can barely hear anyway. Maybe they did. (laughs) It's very confused, but uh, it was a terror. I mean, I didn't think it was a very good challenge because Al definitely fouled him. Now, if they can look at whether it was a double dribble before that, I don't I honestly no, don't know. Yeah. So then it's a horrible challenge because he definitely fouled him after the double dribble. But there was three seconds left. So yeah. it's like like it was a, it's like it's kind of a desperation challenge. It's like, well, yeah. maybe his foot was on That's the line or, or or something. Al, I, I thought at first that Al had like hit it with his the ball with his elbow and it was actually like a clean strip. But like with his elbow, it wasn't. I don't know. It's kind of a mess. Like my dad messaged me just now, first of the floor legend now. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he says, Joe's challenge turns out to be crucial. I haven't read the link yet. Um, I'm get- And so I listened to the Hoops Collective as well last night where I had Bontemps and Windhorst and uh, McMahon, I think, on. And Tim Bontemps like called Mc- Monty-, Monty McCutcheon to like get the ruling on the on the three seconds. And I think that... If Missoula hadn't challenged, they may not have gotten that extra time back on. Oh, okay. But there's no clear explanation to if it was good, if it was bad. But I'm with you, Spoonie, because like like the Caleb Martin three earlier in the game where they were like went back to double check that whether it was a two or a three, they would have done the same thing with the two free throws. So I don't know. I like that Joe saved it to the end. That's like the best way to manager challenges. Um, yeah, because didn't like, the Heat, and, yeah. and again, I limited knowledge because I was listening on the radio, but didn't the Heat use that challenge super early and it had the Jalen yes. Browns and one negated, but like we still got the bucket. So, yeah. I mean, I guess they saved a point and they saved a foul on on whoever the defender was. Well, like, right. well, they were trying to get like Jalen he... his fourth foul. That's why yeah, right. he challenged okay. it. One, it was an and okay. one, and two, it was to get jail on his fourth foul. Right. And then the Ray review it and it's like, oh, okay, it wasn't a foul. Either way, we're just going with a no call. And so the bucket counted. Mm. It was a weird game. And then Jalen has that four point play, like the yeah. where yeah. he it's like the goaltend, but that that all made sense to me. It was a goaltend and it was a, and a one. technical. Yeah. And like and so it was no brainer. It's just like Hey, shout out JB knocking his free Dude, throws eight down. Dude, for 10. Finally, yeah, finally. And we needed every, literally every single one of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jason Tatum with 15 for 15 from the line, I think, yeah. if I've got that right. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then JB uh, 8 for 10 as well, which is uh, amazing. And yeah, we needed which, every single one of them. All which is why, <laughs> and we've talked about, and I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but I've definitely done it on our playback stream where I've asked you who if we're doing a draft of people you trust at the line with the game on the line, what's the who are you taking first? And it's like I feel like half of us said Marcus and half of us said Tatum. And I was I can't believe Marcus missed. I know that free throw. And Tatum was the one who got the rebound and outletted to Marcus. And like at that point, he's fifteen from fifteen from the line. Like I get pushing the ball up, but I was like, dude. You're Hold the one it. I want. You're the one we want at yeah. the line right now. Uh, who knows? He may have missed one as well. Like, and this yeah. whole thing could be different. Like, That's the thing. Like, you can believe that they miss it at the time. You're like, of course. Yeah. Like, I'm driving yeah. my car. It's been like, fuck. Like, uh, of course you can believe at the time that they're missing it because you just you can feel the world crumbling around you, which just goes yeah. back to how much of a miracle this Derek White play was. Like, it, it was over. It was over. Like, we shut the bed again. Classic Celtics. Like. I was writing the obituary in my head. It was done. Yeah. <sighs> like, I, I don't know if there's too much that we can say about it, right? Because it's just that insane of a thing that happened. Like, we could just keep talking about that specific moment in time for another 40 minutes, and that would be completely acceptable. Well, like, does this, does this have sound, this one you've uploaded? No. Yeah, okay, perfect. Uh, I, like, this I thought this moment, was like symbolism of all of us after the This after is what I'm saying. Game. This is what you're talking about. This is yeah. like... They embrace each other. Jalen's like, dude, what just happened, bro? And Tatum's so like, if you're, still- if you're listening, if you're listening, yeah. this is the Jays in the locker room uh, after yeah. the game. Sorry, Jake. Yeah, Jays. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Jays in the locker room, like just embracing each other, similar to after Game Six of the Sixers series, and they're like, dude, we have another chance. Forehead to forehead. Yeah. Let's do. Let's go get one more. Yeah. Oh my God. Let's go. 
Any anything oh, else on, on this game before we sort of move on? I know we've got some Tatum post game stuff to get to, but um, I don't know. Like it, maybe it's okay to just be like, this was a blur, and something fucking incredible happened at the end of it. But Spoony, Jake, anything else you want to say on the game before we move on? It's about time we got lucky. Right, right. <laughs> it's about time after Harden and Trey yeah, Young and like all this unlucky shit. Like it is about time we got a damn because Marcus he had the game winner that was like yeah. point too late. Like yeah. mm-hmm. it's about damn time, dude. Marcus almost made this shot. I know. Oh Gunny rolled. God. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Man, and I don't know. It's just a weird way to be feeling. Like only the Celtics can have won three playoff games in a row, and we still have the most stressful one to go. Yep. Like yeah. the literally only yeah, way to win three playoff games and not have won the series or be up 3-1 or up 3 or whatever is going down 3-0. And it's just like there's this jubilation and incredible joy, but like I'm still trading tomorrow at the same time. There's like this, like I'm going back and forth. I'm like, oh, man. I don't feel like I did going into game seven against Philly. I don't think like I felt more. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know anymore how I'm feeling. But yeah, I'm yeah. Say. Spoonie, anything else on the game before we move on? No, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah let's, <laughs> I mean, that's just so, it's just so crazy, man. I'm with you, yeah. Jake. I'm just a mess. <laughs> yeah. Like we've talked for 26 minutes now, but I think uh, to some extent we're at a loss for words. Uh, Jason Tatum also at a loss for words after the game. We're going to run his post game interview now. Jason. Describe the relief you feel as that play went down from Derek White. Oh my God, it's, uh, it's a lot going on right now. That was, whoo, you don't get no better than that. That was fun, that was fun, that was fun, that was fun. <laughs> what were the range of emotions you felt just now in these few seconds right here? <laughs> like a big sigh of relief. Uh, it's like you get another chance. We, we not done yet. We gotta keep fighting. But uh, that was that was a hell of a win. I'm gonna lost for words. That's my bad. <laughs> it's all good. I got me too. What what has Derek White meant to your team? Everything. I told him this morning at shooting around. Be yourself. Be aggressive. If I pass it to you, shoot it. If you gotta open it, go get it. Be a basketball player. We we got we can't hold nothing back. God, as they say, let all the bullets go. They took a lead in the fourth quarter. Then Jimmy Butler goes to the free throw line, knocks down three. What was it like in winning time in the fourth quarter down the stretch to have resolve? I mean, we it seemed like when we down and out, we found a way. That's what we did. We found a way. Uh, we still got another game, but man, did that feel good. You guys went down 0-3 and you forced a game seven. What does that mean to you that you forced it? I love this team. I love this team. No matter what everybody was saying, we kept fighting. We, down but not out. So we got another chance. I, I go to war with every guy in that locker room. I, as it shows, uh, we got a big one on Monday. <laughs> what will it take to make history on Monday? This type of grit, this type of grind, this type of, you got, literally you got to play to the buzzer go. Uh, and that's what we're going to do. Good luck. Oh, man. Have you guys <sighs> ever seen Tatum like nah. that before? That no, was like really. the first time I've ever seen Tatum in an interview be like his real personality. Do you know what I mean? Like he just seems so open and emotional and he's always the opposite. He's the most yeah. boring interview on the planet, which I love, but um, I just thought that was such an awesome interview from him. And the you like, I love this team, man. Like it just felt so real to me, right? Am mm. I just like drinking the green Kool-Aid? No, no. no it's, it's like a relationship. Like the more you fall in love with each other, the more you open up to one another. <laughs> and as corny as that sounds, like throughout the years, right, yeah. Tatum has been giving us bigger and bigger glimpses into his soul and allowing us into his life or his heart, if you will, a little bit. And this was just a, a bigger and better glimpse of that and very emotionally charged. Uh, but very much aligned and in sync with the fan base as well. So just a, a beautiful fan-player relationship moment, really. It was great. It's the best. This is the best, man. Oh, man. Just win game seven, please. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I'm like, I'm, while I'm watching, I'm like, yes, this is so amazing. But I'm like, try and just re- remember this. Just remember this because if they lose, this still, is, this still is real. And like, you have to try and like, take a step back from the like honestly when i watched that it made me think that like even if they had gone down in four games i don't think that brad even changes that much um 
it's impossible to say that now. Like, it's just, <sighs> I don't, I don't know. So, I get, yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel you. Like watching these, you just—it's like you're just blissing out these clips after the game. Yeah. And like last night, I fell asleep. Like literally, my phone—I I fell asleep. My phone just like dropped on <laughs> my head a couple of times. I'm just falling asleep, just like consuming all the post-game content, including that. Looking ahead to Game Seven, I can't believe that it's tomorrow, and like that we have Jeez. to just like jump back into the stress of it again so quickly. Spoonie, like, what do you think Spo's adjustments will be? What do you think Joe's adjustments will be? What do you think the the tone of the game will be overall? Yeah, so um, I think the biggest thing, Joe's done a couple of, I think, really great things recently, like to the point where he's, maybe this is crazy to say, and he's got a big talent advantage, but he's like hanging with Spo. And one of the biggest things he did, and Jake, you and I were talking about it, I think after game two or game three, whenever we were super depressed and we were like, (laughs) just start switching more. That one time. Like, just start (laughs) switching more. And he has finally unleashed Robert Williams on Jimmy Butler. And it's like, fine, you want to take Rob one-on-one, go for it. And Jimmy's got him a couple times, but like Rob has been stonewalling his ass and he blocked that three in game five. He had, he corralled Jimmy a bunch of times. Like Jimmy was flustered. You said it, Jake. He did. He wasn't even looking at the rim. Like he looked like James Harden at times out there, man. Like that is really what his game reminded me of. And he's just bricking everything because Rob's in his face, dude. Like you do not want to go one-on-one against Rob Williams. And he's letting Al switch out to basically everybody but Jimmy Butler. Um, and Al's doing just fine. And finally, it's like I drop has its place and it's important. But this Heat team has too many guys who are just comfortable pulling up and making shots. So, like, you just can't do it. Um, so I thought that was big, and I, I anticipate Spo will try to get Jimmy Butler onto Al Horford more often and force us to get back into drop. So that's probably a big thing I'm looking there. Offensively, I'm I'm not sure we have to change much. We just got to make our shots, man. Like, I know that's stupid. Like, Joe needs to turn the shooting sliders up on 2K and, like, get Please. these guys to make some jumpers. Um, but uh, in the second half, Spo took Jimmy Butler off of Tatum and then he basically had Jimmy like shadowing Tatum, like almost playing like zone just to stay with Tatum. And I think that's a lot of the reason Tatum went kind of quiet in the second half, because he basically like if he got by the first guy, Jimmy Butler's there. And we know what Jimmy Butler can do when you're on your way to the rim. Like he's picking your pocket, he's blocking, he's forcing you into bad passes. So that was a really impressive adjustment from Spo. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, that <laughs> kind of knows what he's doing. So I'll be interested to see how we get Tatum back in the game. If that's how they do it, maybe some more off ball stuff, Um, have Jimmy's guy just park in the corner and then run stuff on the opposite side. We'll probably see a lot because we we're going to need Tatum like he can't have another six point half or something like that. Mm hmm. Uh, but he, I don't know. Like he kind of can. Like if 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 the Celtics (laughs) make shots, this is the thing. If we can. Like, and we don't even need to shoot that well. It's like, we're, we're like at 32% for the series so far. Like, if you gave me the option for 32% from three for game seven, I'd probably take it. It's like, that's that's all we need against this team. Um, and another thing, Spoonie, that um, Steph Noah on Twitter pointed out, because like yeah. Jalen got into foul trouble and Van Gundy is just like screaming at the heat to get Jalen involved in anything and Steph Noah did a really good job of breaking it down but like anytime Max Struess comes coming around they switch and Derek White picks him up and then whoever's you know setting that screen Jalen goes with them or like anytime Jalen gets a mismatch Rob's coming in like there was a clear like okay guys anytime they try and get Jalen involved it's going to be early switching or Jalen's just going to go over the top like they the ability to like to to work within the overall switch everything scheme to keep Jalen out of foul trouble was huge, huge to, cause he was like, he was really important. And like, we're running out of dudes. Like even, even if Jalen's not playing perfectly, like we're literally running out of guys. Um, yeah. And it was, yeah. it was, it was a bad grant game. And so it's like, if, if Jalen's in foul trouble, that means more grant or I, I don't know what you do. So I thought that was a really, really nice adjustment from Joe. Um, he's, Look, he, he he's like the rest of the team, apparently. Where yeah. back once, against the wall, yeah, yeah. Gee, he just had to <laughs> had to face the mortality of of the world, and now he's good to go. 
Uh, SS Austin has called this out in the chat, uh, and I know Rosillo was talking about this on the pod with yeah. Bill Simmons earlier today, that at the end of um, the game, our offense looked really bad against their full court zone. And, and like, I'm not going to take credit for this observation, but Rosillo was like, no, like the Celtics fundamentally handled that well. They got a guy to the, to the middle of that stretched out full court zone. But we had a couple of difficulties like catching the ball. There were some late game, maybe nervy issues of just like uh, mental mistakes. But as far as like fundamentally knowing how to approach that defense, like I don't think the Celtics have any issues there. It's just about crunch time offense and things that have, have um, uh, crunch time execution and poise and things that have sort of bothered the Celtics um, all year. A few other people calling this out in the chat. Um, just if the Celtics just make like their season average threes, or even like 10% below that. Like yeah. they will win this game. And it's a simple take, but like really it just that's what it's come down to all playoffs, all regular season. Hopefully at home, guys like Grant Williams, who hasn't performed well on the road in, in this series, um, he'll start to to stroke his threes as well. And the Jays, if they could hit R three each, even one in game seven <laughs> at home, that would be nice as well. So three point shooting, again, not a new take is going to come into play uh, massively. Yeah, and they Spo nailed it again. Like he didn't use the zone a single time until like the last five minutes. And I thought that was really smart because it's like, you're just so used to playing one way the whole game and now you're tired as hell. And now you throw out this zone and like they, while they executed pretty well, it's just like the mental fatigue is real. Like it's physical, it's mental. Like you're going, like you're, you're, you're avoiding these hands from all these savvy heat defenders all game. And now they're just changing their positioning like enough where you have to think a little bit more when you're, when you're on your last legs. That was genius because like going back to game six, they eviscerated the zone and it could have been worse. Like there was a, a spell where they went a little bit cold in game six and they were just missing wide open threes. Like they, I know Zach Lowe had the, the stat, I think it was like they were on like 1.42 points per possession against the zone in game five. And it's like they just – like the Rob Williams, he got it deep in the post and how many of those like little five-foot fadeaway jump hooks has he made over the past two weeks, right? And he just missed it. Tatum yep. misses that layup like where he was money and he probably got fouled. Um, and – I know, yeah, Spoonie, like Jimmy's getting these touch calls on the other end and Tatum can't get one call in the second half. It's just brutal. Like the execution feel like, because you're just melting down. Like you as a human, you're watching it melting down, but you go back and look, it wasn't as bad. But the, it's just like these unimmovable object and the unstoppable force where the, the zombie heat are so good, like better than anyone in the league about like being ten, down 10 plus with like five minutes to go, they're like the only team that has any wins, and they yeah. have like four. It's and then you and then you combine that with the Celtics shakiness in those moments. It's a bad recipe, um, and so it like was, yeah, it was in the last two minute report that Tatum got fouled on that layup. Oh so, yes, yeah. yeah. So he did get fouled. That's why he missed it, and it's absolutely ridiculous. That they didn't call it. I mean, I just, it, it absolutely blows my mind. So, yeah, and Rob Rob hit one of those on an and one against Caleb Martin earlier in the game too. And it's like, man, those are all good looks. You can't overreact, right? Like the worst thing you can do is overreact to the results if the process is right. Like got to keep doing the process. One thing I don't understand though against the zone why is Tatum bringing the ball up and yeah. running point? Put him at the net. Have Marcus yes. bring it up. Put him at the nail. Run a pick and roll with Marcus and Al, and Al can fade somewhere. And Tatum's going to be there at the nail, and he just destroys it every time. Like, don't have him be point guard. Do you think it comes down to just a collective concern about the ability to get the ball back into Tatum's hands? Where at least if you start the possession, yeah. he's there, yes. you're like, well, at least we know he's got the ball. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, and, and like, we're not going to fix the crunch time stuff. Obviously, this year, right? Like, I think whatever we have in crunch time is probably what we got. Um, but what I don't understand is Marcus and Tatum in the post. Spoonie, you, is that hard to get into against a zone? Like, I feel like you don't even need to throw the entry pass. You know, I don't like get Tatum to the wing and just back whoever, I don't, unless it's Jimmy, he can literally back any of those guys down from the wing, from the perimeter. And even if he doesn't get all the way like to into the paint, I don't mind Tatum taking these like mid-range fallaways. Like he was he was awesome on them in the in the first half, like going against Jimmy, right? Like 
get him in, get him in the mid post against Caleb Martin. But maybe that is that a zone thing where they're able to like stop him from just kind of backing down from the wing. Yeah, I, I think it's the help will be so close. So, but we've talked about that a million times. Like you want him to help when he's posting up, man. Exactly. So, um, and he he'll just kick it, and then we got another open shot. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I there's there's a ton of ways to attack a zone. That's why a lot of teams don't run it because like it's got a lot of weaknesses. But the biggest thing is. You just got to make the shots you do generate. And we just have not been able to do that in this series against the zone at times. And when we do, we kill them running away. Like it's not it's not generally a close game when we're making the shots against the zone. So I don't know, man. Oh, we'll see. I don't I don't think Spo's going to go to it much because he knows just as well as everybody else does. Like you can't play with fire and give open looks to this team for too many games in a row. Like they're going to start dropping. And the history of game sevens, at home for the Celtics the last two years were like plus 60 in those. Uh, I think we won by 28 and 24 in the last two game sevens at home. So they've got to cook up something in Miami. Uh, that's, a, that's such a feel good stat. Um, yes. We're just going to take a very quick break to talk about our sponsor, FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Uh, right now, new customers, you can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Jake, uh, I believe, as a sort of our gambling connoisseur <laughs> uh, on the show, Spoonie, I know you like a punt as well, and, and I do, but I'm, I'm terrible at it. What have you got for us for, for Game 7, aside from... Celtics win in a dominant blowout. Uh, what else have you got for us betting wise? <laughs> Actually, I don't. I don't. I can. I can probably cook one up pretty quick. Same game parlay wise, but honestly, the championship odds have swung like kind of even for the Celtics and the Nuggets, like way more than I would would think. Whatever reason, the the Vegas loves the Celtics so much this year, and all the models and all the everything like adores the Celtics. Um, and look, they've kind of been right so far. Like technically they're one game away from going to the finals. Um, I just think that maybe this is a reverse jinx, but this, if the Celtics do get through, the Denver's been off for like, would have been off for almost like two weeks by the time they actually play a game. Like they're going to be so well rested. They've been so good. I feel like this, the Celtics actually winning the finals if they get through is going to be a freaking miracle. So like I, I would, I would, have a look at betting the the Nuggets just to win the title straight up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because if the Heat lose, I mean, if the Heat win, it's going to just be gone. Like the the odds are going to be like ten to one in favor of the Nuggets. So that's where I would you go. can hedge that easy. Exactly. Too. Yeah. If the yep. Celtics do make, yeah, you, you're good. That's a solid bet. I like that a lot. Thanks. <laughs> so heading into Game Seven, let, let's just like let's just get some of these questions out of the way, Spoonie. And maybe I'm most qualified to answer this, but we'll go yes, around the you room. Are. <laughs> How terrified are you heading into tomorrow's game seven? Extremely. <laughs> I'm very terrified, dude. It's like no game. Up. Yeah. Like I, I actually I felt really confident going into game seven against Philly. And I feel the same way about this game seven. But that doesn't matter. I'm yeah. still friggin' terrified, dude. It doesn't matter how confident I feel and how I think they're gonna play really well, but it doesn't matter. I'm terrified. Yeah. I think the the if you try to hold on to stuff, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. The, 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 there's, I think it feels like there's three outcomes. There's Celtics blowout. There's Celtics lose close game. We have seen Celtics win close game. It is a possibility. Um, so I feel like there's two of the three outcomes that actually favor the Celtics. I just don't see a scenario where this Heat can actually win like a double digit game like against the Celtics. I don't I don't think that's possible. I know we saw it in game 3, but that's that may as well be a different series like a different series at this point. Yeah. That being said, like I already have a pit in my stomach thinking about it. Like I'm and I remember being when they won game 4 being like, "Oh, I'd be sick if they could get to game 6 cuz like at least it'll feel like we battled back and you know, this team still stuck together and a lot of those off-season questions become a little easier. Then they win game six. And yeah. 
Still doesn't just, feel real. Sorry. No, it, yeah. no, you're right. It doesn't feel real. The whole thing feels like a weird dream where like it's one of those dreams that doesn't start off as a nightmare, but then like quickly becomes one. Like that's what game seven could be. Um, heat culture is kind of on the line. So we, we maybe <laughs> eliminated the, the Philadelphia 76ers process. Like we'll see what happens in their offseason, but we've certainly pushed them to the to the brink there as far as like um, changes they might make this offseason. Could we do the same thing with heat culture? Like can they recover culturally speaking from going up 3-0 in a Eastern Conference final series and then, and then losing. So with them coming into town with that in mind, like I do fear Spo and Jimmy and Bam and kind of like whatever their last hurrah is, like their final their final death blow, that all terrifies me. The fact that the Celtics if they even have a shred of confidence, that's typically a bad thing. If that back to the yeah, wall yeah. mentality goes away. And then just like the Celtics um like single game formula of they're behind in a game, right? They come back, they cut it to like three, only to then like cough up their marbles at the end of the game and, and lose. We've seen that happen in a vacuum in individual games like throughout the era of the Jays. So I feel like that could happen sort of like within the confines of a playoff series as well. So that they sort of come back to, to give us hope only to then shit the bet in game seven as well. I'm not saying that that's likely at all. And like statistically oh, yeah. and, and looking at the gambling odds, like it's not. But I'm just saying, like, these are the thoughts that, like, sort of uh, the intrusive thoughts, if you will, that dominate my mind heading into games like this. Can Caleb Martin miss a shot? That would be a good start. Can Caleb Martin please miss a shot? I feel like if they can just, like, shut him down, and I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't commit extra resources to doing it, but it's like, can Grant, when he's out there, just, like, put up a little bit more of a fight? Can whoever's on Caleb Martin just get, like, that much closer on the contest? Can they – because can they, when he's when he's getting these straight line drives to the rim, force a miss, get a finger on a ball? Like he's just playing at this level that, if, like if he's not, he's he if they win the thing, Caleb Munn's going to win the Eastern Conference Player of the of the Year. Like it's not Jimmy at all. The only reason that they're in these games right now is because of Caleb Martin. And it's like, can they can they shut the others down? Like. And I don't know, going into game six, right, every podcast, everyone, and even my objective self before game six was like, if the Celtics can win game six, you have to feel good going into game seven. So I think like objectively, you should feel good. The problem is we're not objective and we're psychos and we've been emotionally terrorized by <laughs> yes. the, the Celtics for, for two months. For years. So, for yeah. years. For years. <laughs> especially this especially this playoffs. Like the amount of elimination games that we've gone through over the past two years, like the amount of like you should be dead moments that we've survived is just, that's like, a, that should be a half decade of, of trauma. And we're squeezing these into like 1.7 playoff runs. It's just like, <laughs> I, please. I, I, I believe I saw the stat that the Celtics are the first team to go to game seven in round two and game seven in round dude. three, it, it, two years in a row. <laughs> like, what are we doing, dude? <laughs> and uh, apologies if you've read this stat out. Like I was fumbling around with some FanDuel stuff before. The Celtics have won the last two game sevens on home court by 24 against Philly and by 28 against Milwaukee. Um, I think we've already covered whether or not we expect the same outcome in this game seven. Um, what's what's going to be the bigger factor in this game if the Celtics win, Spoonie? Is it going to be threes going down uh, or the Jays outplaying um, the big two in Miami there and Bam and, and Jimmy Butler? I mean, on the Caleb Martin front and the Gabe Vincent front, it almost feels like the Jays could outplay, and they did outplay Jimmy and Bam um, <laughs> in Game lot. Six by a lot, and it was still a one-point game. So uh, I think it's it's the boring answer, but it's the threes going down, man. If this team gets up to like 18, 19, 20 threes, like this is going to be, a, I think, a big win. But there, there's zero guarantee that'll happen. I I, I like to go back to the defense and like, what can you control? And I do feel like there's like a really, there's a lot that they can clean up. Like in that first half where the heat shot, what it was, it was 60% from three, right? Like nine for 15. Like they yeah. didn't get that many up. 30's like a, a, a manageable number for a game, but you, 60% is such a, such a high number. Game five defense. That's the game. That I want to replicate all the turnovers, all of the, all of like running them off the line. I feel like they have the defensive personnel to, if they're crisp enough and they're executing it 
at the high at a high enough level, they can like just grind them, get out and run to where the threes will just go in when they're playing like that, right? Like when you're getting turnovers and you're running, and it's just a it's just a it's a waterfall. It's an avalanche of Garden O four Red Sox people in the building. Like oh, you have big to think, better be there. You, you you have to think that like you know the Celtics can't win a home game. Well, they won the biggest home game of the playoffs already. They won the biggest road game of the playoffs already. You have to think that some of like they they don't win road games, but you know home games. But you know which home games they do win. It's game sevens. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, we are gonna have to clip that, Jake. That was impressive. It's <laughs> incredible. Yeah, I, I can't follow that up. I just hope we win. I was just gonna I say, really we, hope we, we win. <laughs> we we don't have the anything is possible thing in the streamyard, but that's that's it right now. Just AK forty seven, Kevin Garnett, strap up. Even Tatum in that clip, right? He was like, empty the clip. Like, I know. Oh, I know that Tatum's going to come out and play AK forty seven style, where it's and it's not just shoot it's shots, it's it's physicality on offense, but it's the rebounding, it's hands in passing lanes, it's the it's the elite defensive help, the offensive rebounding, which it feels like a skill that he's developed in the middle of the playoffs this year. Um, going back to the closeout game against Atlanta, one of the biggest plays of the game. I know we're going to get that version of Tatum, and I think that version of Tatum is better than any other version of Jimmy Butler at this point in the series. He's markedly outplayed Jimmy Butler in this series outside of like the last two minutes of game two. If anyone else turns up in that game, Celtics tie that up. Tatum, best player on the court, get the win. You know, this is spicy. Sorry, Ben. Um, It'll be very quick. He's really reminded me of Kawhi in that 2019 run with the Raptors where it's just like both ends completely dominant doing enough playmaking with the mid range drop in the three drop, you know, the three hasn't always dropped. And it, I don't think it did for Kawhi that playoff run either. He was just crushing people in the mid range to get to the rim. So that's like, cause he's get like the star version of AK 47. You know yeah. what I mean? He's it's crazy that I, I don't know if it's a Tatum specific thing, but just the narrative around Tatum is always so off. Like, He's even if he wins game seven, I don't feel like people are going to be talking about him like he's had this unreal playoff run, but he's stepped up in so many big moments and and then there's and then there's been games that have been lost because other guys didn't step up. Like game one against Philly, he has 39 points, and that that game gets lost because the other guys around him don't step up on the defensive end. He was still good on defense. Game yep. two against Miami, 34, 13, 5, like and no one else steps up. Like he's He's kept them in games. He's saved them in games. Obviously, he hasn't been perfect. Uh, but, you know, outside of Jokic and Steph Curry, no one else in the playoffs this whole year has been as dominant as Tatum. So, what do you think about the fact that we've been talking for an hour and we haven't mentioned Malcolm Brogdon or the absence of one Brogsy, Malcolm Brogdon? Like, you know, his three point shooting throughout the the season was like what league best uh, he was yeah. a six man of the year and yet like the way that we haven't mentioned him i feel like we don't we feel like we don't miss him at all do you think spoonie like we'll see him back i know it's difficult to speculate we don't know the extent of the injury but like do you think the season going to give him a try and what is it a really important game seven it feels risky to me Sure. Um, because if he's the, the problem with Brogdon is like when smart plays a little banged up and his shots a little off, like he's going to bring so much other stuff to the table. Like if Brogdon's forearm is bothering because this is forearm, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. If that's bothering his shot, it's like, why? Why? Why would we have him out there? Really? Like he just needs to be great at scoring the basketball to have positive value. Otherwise, he's like kind of an OK defensive player. He kind of is okay passing the ball but it's like i just i just run Derek white and marcus smart out there for like yeah. 46 minutes each I, <laughs> like you yeah. don't take the risk i'll say yeah i have absolute faith in Derek white's ability to play every single minute of the game um yesterday spoonie i was like when grant was struggling it was like okay grant's struggling well obviously we're out like there's not a lot of options brogdon's out your your options are hauser pritchard or double big and I yeah. thought he should have tried double big. I, I, I understand. I understand him not going to Hauser in the second half of Game Six yesterday. That's like a 
pretty tough spot to put Hauser in. I thought there was a was potentially a way that you could try double bigs because I like they're not respecting Grant on offense anyway. Horford and Rob are get like ability to stay in front of guys off the bounce was is at least comparable to Grant. And so what I think that they will give you potentially was something that he could have gone to. I wonder if they look at that like the good thing is Grant typically at home and then you know Milwaukee game seven, like Grant's been been good in this specific series, game five, ability to knock down shots at home. So if he's hitting threes, then it's, then you're you're good to go. But like if we have another version of game six Grant, do they because they tried Hauser for a minute and fifty seconds. I don't know if they try and like commit to it. It's so hard to commit to like four minutes of Hauser in the game like that, like tomorrow, right? Yeah. So, just- so like you know, the only thing that you feel like you have a little bit of confidence in that you obviously went away with, went away from earlier in the season in the series is the double bigs. Do you feel like he could go there if Grant can't go and Brogdon can't go? Yeah, I, I I think the one issue with double bigs against Miami is they can kind of zone you to death if Al's not hitting his threes because they're like they're just not they're not gonna ignore Rob and Rob can punish that here and there, but I don't think he punishes it consistently enough to get them out of a zone. Um and then they're not really respecting Al from three either. They're treating him like Grant. So then you've that's like a lot of pressure to create for whoever's out there with them. I'm not worried about defensively. Um, and I think if you're kind of like protecting a lead, I, you know, I hate to say that because that's like how we always play and then lose the lead. But I could see it if it's like we need some stops to kind of right the ship a little bit going to double bigs. Um, and if if uh, Bam's not out there, I would like to see some double bigs, man. Get Rob running pick and rolls against Cody Zeller and just get over the top on him. Like if yeah. they even play Zeller, he might say Bam yeah. might play 48 minutes. Zeller played two minutes and 21 seconds and was yeah. a minus seven. <laughs> yeah, so, right. That's wild. Thanks. But 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 like but I feel like that's playing into actually, yeah. So yeah, that was first half. Like he didn't play in the second half. But it's like you Bam played uh, 45 minutes and 39 seconds yesterday, right? And I feel like a contributing factor to him maybe missing these shots at the rim is like he's tired, he's cooked. Yeah. And so like, yeah, cool, Bam plays 48 minutes, but that is a lot to ask of of Bam as well. So, and like Kevin Love is now out of the series, it feels like too. So maybe this is just what it is, right? It's we ha- We're playing six and a half guys. Like I, I kind of trust Jalen, Jason, Marcus, and Derek to be all be able to play pretty much 48 minutes. And then Alan Rob can share the center spot. So maybe that's just that's just what it is, right? It's just yeah, the clip. Game, game seven. Yeah. Play five guys fucking 48 minutes. Like just <laughs> get, it get it done. Uh so a couple of things before we wrap up. First of all, just some uh, quick content recommendations. Highly recommend typing in Celtics game six uh, game winner reactions on YouTube. There's a lot of good nice. stuff from both fan bases, particularly if you enjoy the the salty tears of some Heat fans. There's one at a wedding where there's a table like watching the game and they they clearly see the the smart miss. They I think they've won and they've got like trumpets and flags and a parade and stuff at the wedding. And unfortunately, the video cuts out just as they're starting yeah, to realize that it wasn't a win. But it's it's a beautiful chef's kiss. Uh, and there's plenty of good <laughs> stuff on the Celtics side as well. Uh, we'll end on this. Would losing game seven be worse than or better than uh, losing in a sweep in game four? When we'd kind of already pre-grieved at that point, Jake, and had kind of come yeah. to terms with what was happening. Now our hopes are, are back up again. Would a loss now be worse than, than being swept? I think it's going to feel worse. Like if we would have <laughs> lost game four, it's definitely going to like emotionally, your body's going to be a disaster. Like you're going to have to do some serious soul searching, I don't know, ayahuasca retreat to get yourself back on track type thing. <laughs> but but it's better. It might feel worse, but it is better to have rallied all the way back. Even if they do go down, you it just it just makes the future of this team like solid to me. Like to me it's like okay, they're not perfect. But this core clearly can win a title. They made the finals last year. They're a game seven away from going to the finals again. Tatum, another year older. The CBA changes, all that stuff. Before the Supermax extensions for Jalen and Jason kick in, you have this core locked up. You just, you, 
you you re-sign Grant, you you run it back, and you have another crack at it. So I think it could feel worse, but I think it's it's better for the overall health of the Celtics. Yeah, and I think we're probably looking at a fourth head coach in four years if we get yeah. swept. And look, maybe that's a good thing, but there's no guarantee it is. Like Joe, I feel like has answered a lot of questions in oh, these yeah. last three games. Um, and I think that's going to give him a lot of confidence and hopefully the fan base a lot of confidence going into the offseason if we do lose game seven. And Bring him some assistance, please. Yeah. Like, get this man a bench. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I, I think that's the perfect way to state it, Jake. Like, it's going to hurt so much more. But, like, long-term future, it's definitely – it's always better to be on the brink of the NBA Finals than get punked in four games. Yeah, worse for us, better for the team. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> all right, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back with another edition of Celtics Late Night right after Game 7, just after the Garden Report there on the CLNS channel and the First of the Floor YouTube channel. Can't wait for that one. Please share the pod, subscribe, leave us a nice rating and review on Apple Podcasts. All that stuff really helps us build and promote the show. Spoonie, Jake, love your work, guys. Until next time, go Celtics. Go Celtics.